Welcome to the Royal Australian and New Zealand College of Psychiatrists in conversation on the Rural Pathway, the Fellowship Series. The series will explore rural psychiatry, including the importance of the delivery of rural mental health care and the unique challenges and benefits of rural psychiatry training and practice through first-hand stories from current trainees on their rural pathways to fellowship and new fellows who participated in rural psychiatry training. We hope to illustrate the unique opportunities granted to those willing to give up the city life and take up the adventure of training in regional, rural and remote locations. This podcast series was made possible by funding from the Australian Government through the Specialist Training Program. The Specialist Training Program is an Australian Government initiative to support specialist medical training in settings beyond traditional public teaching hospitals, including in regional, rural and remote and private facilities. My name is Dave Townsend. I am a Stage 2 trainee who's been doing study and psychiatry training in New South Wales, but currently on a break in training and now living in WA. And I am joined today by three different trainees from around Australia with varying experience within the rural psychiatry world. And we wanted to sort of talk today about some of the myths and some of the concerns that people have about going into psychiatry training and going and moving to a rural community or committing to a rural community but also some of the benefits and sort of share our experience. So I'm just going to introduce them briefly and then ask them to tell their own story because I think that's really what we're here for today is, is we're not trying to promote something or try and convince anyone, but actually just share what it's really like for us and, um, and hopefully by doing that give people some realistic expectations of what they might be able to expect themselves. So uh, I'm joined today by... First of all, Sky Kinder. So she's a trainee who grew up in Bendigo in central Victoria, who has been a passionate advocate for improving rural mental health. Also joined by Dr. Phoebe Thornton, a trainee currently working in Albany in Western Australia, which is just over 400 kilometres south of Perth in the Great Southern Region. And we're also joined by Dr. Nick Faint, who has trained for the last three years or so in Albany, uh, but has now just gone the opposite way. So he's now moved to do advanced training in addiction psychiatry in Queensland, which would be a big shift from being that far south to that far north. So we're recording today at Congress in Sydney, and we have heard a lot of buzz around the new rural psychiatry roadmap. And I guess for a lot of trainees who are here, it's also brought up a lot of questions. So I guess today is also about trying to maybe bust some of those myths and maybe hopefully address some of those concerns that people might have. So I thought I might start with you, Sky. You grew up in a rural community. How has that been and then coming into the world of psychiatry and, and what is that? I know you've been very involved in, in, in this new pathway. What's motivated you to do that? Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Dave. Um, it's great to be here to talk about uh, regional rural health. I'm from Bendigo originally, and I love Bendigo, best place in the world, uh, I would say, for anyone listening. I have always been really passionate about rural health by virtue of the fact that, you know, I just grew up in central Victoria. And uh, when I was growing up, my dad was really unwell. He's, he still is. And he used to have to travel all of the time to, to Melbourne for specialist care. And that led me down a rural health pathway. But I never 
knew that I was specifically interested in rural mental health. That wasn't until I found my way to psychiatry by chance that I started to want to merge the two worlds. And for me, I actually am currently, although I worked pre-vocationally in Bendigo in a regional setting, uh, I'm currently doing my psych training in a metro setting. And so the question that I very much had for myself was how do I get back, I guess, you know, and, and how do I remain connected with these things that I really enjoy? And and that was when I found the section of rural psychiatry with the college, which is, I guess, for people that might not be aware, is a, is a section within the college structure that specifically looks at uh, issues pertaining to rural mental health, which includes, you know, everything from training to engagement around rural rotations, advocacy to, to governments, all of that and more. And by getting involved in that committee, I was able to, you know, meet some people who became mentors for me in rural mental health and to sort of foster that connection and that interest that I really wanted and to start to help me plan a pathway, you know, back home, I suppose, at its core. And being on the section of rural psychiatry, I was able to uh, participate first in the scoping project for the new uh, rural psychiatry training pathway, and now sit on the implementation committee for that as a, a trainee representative. So that might be something we can talk about a bit later, but I guess just speaks to uh, the context of you know me and, and, and my journey at the moment. Thank you for sharing that. And Phoebe, so you're currently in third year of training, I think, in yes. Albany? Yes, yep. And you were saying before that Albany is, you know, that's the area where you grew up. So you're you're sort of the dream trainee who's gone through and been able to complete their training in the same community. Yeah, and I, I do feel really privileged about having that opportunity. So I grew up in the sort of Albany region and then had to go away for boarding school because my local district high school didn't offer year 11 and 12. It only just started to offer it the year I left, I think, and then went to uni. And my plan was always, how can I get back to my local community? So as I did um, my internship with the WA Rural Health Service, I went back to Albany Hospital, so back to my area, interned, RMO'd at that hospital, and then service reg, or I think unaccredited reg, they call it over east. And then it just became a case of how can I stay rurally? And lucky they'd started the IRTP program. So um, I actually had to go to um, Metro just for six months because the program, so there wasn't positions available, but then got back rural as, as soon as I could. So I think, yeah, a case of just how can I get back as soon as possible. And it's great that you can do your training there. Like, So Albany, do they have everything required to be able to do all of your training there? It depends what you want to do. So you do your first three years in, in Outwell. The, I guess the program still, it's quite flexible, but I will be able to do my first three years rurally. And then if I wanted to do a certificate like forensics, I'd, I'd have to go to a, a larger centre that had that training. But if um, you want to be a rural generalist, which is the pathway that I'm after, um, then all of your training could potentially be rural. Brilliant. Okay. And actually, that's sort of the pathway that Nick's gone down. So Nick, I understand that you've were training in LBD, but now you've gone across to Queensland. Um, what was the reason that you've done that? Yeah, so as you said, I've recently relocated from Albany and Western Australia over to Brisbane and Queensland to pursue advanced training in addiction psychiatry. And the reason was is that the advanced training wasn't available in Western Australia. So it was an area that I wanted to pursue as a stage three trainee. So I was faced with the difficult decision of do I stay rural and not pursue that or do I relocate and pursue that in another setting. So in this case, I've chosen to do that in Brisbane. A bit about my background, I did grow up on a farm about 150 kilometres west of Brisbane. So all my family is in is around 
the Brisbane Toowoomba area. So it was a case of partly going back for advanced training, but also partly going back for family reasons as well, to reconnect with family members. I've been away for 10 years. I actually moved to Western Australia for medical school, stayed on and did um, internship residency and subsequently um, rural psychiatry training in Albany for three years. So I felt like it was mutually beneficial to come back both for advanced training as well as to reconnect with family. Yeah, okay. And so once you finish your advanced training, do you know where you want to go and, and like, are you planning to go back to Albany or are you thinking that you're going to stay in Queensland? At this stage, the plan would be to go back at a minimum to a country setting within Western Australia. Ideally, I would love to go back to Albany, but given Phoebe's report on how beneficial and how of the high standard of training that is there, it may be quite popular. And I think there will be an element of competition that does start to develop for positions there, but I would love to settle back in Albany, Western Australia. And that's the plan at this point in time. Me and Nick are going to fight it out <laughs> Yeah, right. after okay. when we turn off the mics. Pistols at dawn. I got it. Okay. And I guess just to share a bit of my experience, um, we're not trying to load the table with WA people today, but it's just kind of happened that we all know each other. Um, so I actually went to medical school uh, in New South Wales, and before that I actually lived in Bendigo and um, fell in love with originally rural general practice. That was always going to be a rural generalist. That was always my plan. And unfortunately for those career plans, I went and did a rotation as an intern in psychiatry and fell in love with it, which was very unexpected and and, uh, definitely caused some pretty seismic shifts in what I was going to do. And from then I ended up doing two years of training in Newcastle in New South Wales, but through Maitland and up into the Hunter Valley doing the rural program there. So doing clinics up in Musselbrook and Scone and up in these sort of more rural communities where you have limited resources, limited other health professionals. And as I think we've probably all found in different ways, you have to think a lot more flexibly and take on a lot of different roles. And and it really does force you to really take on the full biopsychosocial model because there's not enough other people doing it. But yeah, so I'm now actually have been locuming for a couple of years and just started working with the WA Country Health Service as a medical education registrar to set up a new rural psychiatry training program, which we're hoping to get set up over the next 12 months. So he's hoping. I hope that you're enjoying this podcast. If you have a topic suggestion or would like to participate in a future episode of Psych Matters, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by email at psychmatters.feedback at ranzcp.org. So Sky, I understand that you've been involved in developing this pathway and part of what we're setting up in WA is, is based on implementing that. How did that pathway come about and this, this you know, new plan that's been published? I guess, you know, the, the first thing to say, uh, and people m- may not be aware of this, uh, particularly if they hadn't heard of the section of rural psychiatry before, is that, you know, we have a group of uh, really wonderful rural fellows within the college, actually. Um, I know that people may be familiar with some of my advocacy work around trainee matters, and some of that's a lot more constructive criticism, perhaps, than it, than it is positive sentiment. But I can honestly say that the section of rural psychiatry is fantastic, and I think uh, an area of the college that, that many other branches of the college could learn from in terms of trainee engagement, in terms of, you know, advocating for changes that really will 
create tangible benefits for community, um, you know, just across the board. And many, many very committed people who are involved with that section, um, and I'm sure some people who aren't involved with that section as well, have been advocating for a long time around training processes for people that are based in the regions. The chair of the section of rural psychiatry is Professor Matt Coleman, and there are, you know, as I've mentioned, a number of other people within that section that have been very vocal about the need to ensure that rural training is, you know, not only equitable, but arguably actually the best option. And yeah, I think that's very, very much, if not not already, very much where it's going, you know, in terms of setting up this uh, pathway. Essentially, the pathway that we're alluding to is the Rural Psychiatry Training Pathway, uh, given the acronym RPTP. Um, It's a bit of a snazzy name there. And I guess the way that I sort of conceptualise it is akin to the National Rural Generalist Program, which some people might be familiar with. It's a program of training for rural generalists, GPs, that through work of Australia's National Rural Health Commissioner has had sort of a renewed focus at the national level. And in essence, what they've been able to do in the GP space is create this really coordinated program. So in each different you know, jurisdiction, there were already pieces of, of rural training. There were already uh, parts of the puzzle there. And the focus of that work was about, well, how do we put all of these pieces together and make sure that it's nationally coordinated with good support to ensure that you know, trainees are having the best experience possible. So this is sort of analogous. I, I view it as analogous to that sort of a work. And I would see the RPTP is actually running in parallel to the National Rural Generalist Program. And perhaps even, you know, maybe one day, I think it would be fantastic if there was a lot of collaboration between the two pathways as well, because, you know, of course, we know that that rural GPs, rural generalists are providing uh, the bulk of mental health care for the region. So that was sort of, uh, you know, the early stages. What happened uh, within the college was a scoping project was undertaken. And that was predominantly done uh, last year during the pandemic. So this scoping project basically looked at, you know, what is the problem, articulating it, and then looking at sort of feasibility in terms of having a coordinated national program uh, in the rural space. And looking at it from both the Australia and the New Zealand point of view, which is something that's that's unique about this program, is it, it is intended to be a binational program, which has its challenges, of course, because Australia and New Zealand, what what is rural and the way that the rural workforce is across those two countries is quite different. We're obviously talking from the Australian perspective today, but you know, just acknowledging that that rural mental health in in New Zealand is it's different in a number of a number of ways, even in the way that rurality is defined, I suppose. So that scoping project was completed, and a proposal was put forward for what the RPTP could look like. And again, similar to the National Rural Generalist pathway. It's not about recreating anything. It's not about creating a new fellowship program. It's about taking pieces that already exist and putting the pieces together and ensuring that trainees have a coordinated, supported experience to to maximise absolutely the setting uh, that they're in. And that has now moved to implementation phase uh, at the moment. That's where we're at currently. So, There's an implementation committee that's been set up and I'm fortunate to be included as part of that. I know Nick um, is uh, representing TP uh, Regis on that as well. So there's going to be a lot of training engagement and a lot of training input to make sure that, you know, every step of the way there is some genuine co-design around what this pathway looks like as it's implemented. Okay. And I might 
put this question to you, Nick. From what you're saying, Sky, it sounds like we're trying to coordinate things, but it's definitely different in each state of Australia and, and very much different in each region in New Zealand as well. I know in New South Wales, a lot of the rural experience is metro trainees from the Sydney networks going out for, say, a six-month term, and that might be unless you were on an IRTP or STP position, that might be the only rural experience you get in your entire training. And there are aspects of that in WA. Victoria it varies, you know, and Queensland varies as well. You can do a lot more end-to-end -end training in Queensland and, say, in Northern Territory. Trying to bring all those things together and make it consistent would be ideal and also, I guess, create a body of rural-focused trainees who can provide support each other and doesn't matter which jurisdiction they're in which would be brilliant as well. And I think it's been great to sit down and talk to everyone today about their experiences. So I think we, we do need to wrap up, but I just wanted to sort of check two things. And the first thing is, if you had a magic wand, what would you want to change or adjust about the current college program uh, to make it more suitable for rural training? And uh, I guess from my point of view, I'm gonna jump in because I'm always asking everyone else. So. If, from my point of view, I guess one thing I learned in, in GP land was around competency-based training and use of logbooks and those sort of things like ACRAM has done in, in GP, where you can say, for example, see instead of seeing six months of CL patients or six months of child adolescent patients, instead seeing the equivalent of six months of CL patients over three years and having the equivalent of six months of child and adolescent assessments over three years when you're working in a broader rural community. So I think flexibility and the ability to adapt to different settings is something that I would love to see developed within the college. So I guess for me, Dave, I said this before when you were asking about some of the downsides of living and working rurally, which was isolation. So one thing that I would like would be more networking or professional development opportunities for rural trainees specifically. And I think that would then help to foster a sense of collegiality and belonging amongst trainees, both in Australia and New Zealand. My magic, magic wish would be around technology. So um, we're, we're still having challenges um, accessing the formal education lectures with Metro. So um, yeah, better VC platforms. I think what I would say is, uh, you know, although I've talked a lot about how uh, supportive and enthusiastic the SRP is, of course, I think everyone knows the college is a bit of an amorphous uh, beast. It has many arms and, you know, many different committees with many different functions. And all of those actually do intersect with each other in lots of ways when it comes to administering a training program. And so uh, we have, you know, this, this rural roadmap now with plans for implementation of the RPTP. And I guess what I would love to see is for the rest of, of the college outside of the SRP, and I, th I think we've started to make headway in this, certainly, you know, the board's been very supportive of the proposal, but would love to see the rest of the college be really courageous in embracing uh, the rural training program going forward to ensure that, you know, we are able to implement it successfully and uh, perhaps, you know, dare I say, have the best rural training program in the country or binationally. And I think just to reinforce something that you said earlier, the rural section really have been very holistic in their approach. They have wanted to take trainee welfare into, a, into account and a lot of aspects of training that we would love for other areas of the college to really prioritise as well. So I think not only should we commend the rural section for that, but also try and encourage the other areas of the college to really broaden their perspective and, and consider things outside of the central city metro 
sort of orientation and, and so that we can be more flexible in the way we do things. And just to finish off, for each of you, what's a piece of advice or um, like a just a, an anecdote, something that has been shared with you by people in rural communities, whether it's from a you know, supervisor or a colleague or a patient or consumer, what's something that's been shared with you that really struck you as part of your rural experience? I guess the piece of advice that I would have for anyone is to give it a go, to jump in to, if you are considering a rural rotation, a rural placement, from my perspective, I think you have very little, if anything, to lose and everything to gain. Even if you are a trainee that doesn't really see yourself long-term in a rural environment, at least having a short-term experience will make you more appreciative for some of the challenges that rural and regional residents do face so that when you are caring for them in a metropolitan setting, you you do have a little more context as to where they live, where they come from, the supports they have or the lack of supports that they may not have. So give it a go. My advice would be ignore that fear of missing out by going rural. You'll have really great training opportunities rural and, and they're not subpar. In fact, they're better, in my opinion, <laughs> to the, the metro opportunities. Agreed. I would say uh, advice, uh, particularly for people that maybe don't have experience in, in working in rural areas and might be going there for the first time, some advice I would give is, uh, you know, just be your authentic self. I think um, rural communities know if you're not being authentic and they will respond to your authenticity. So feel free to be who you are and show that. It's uh, Authenticity is so important, I think, in, in, in rural relationships. And uh, I guess for myself, one of the things we haven't talked about much is around families and, you know, partners and going into these communities. But my wife and I made a conscious decision to pack up our life and put everything in storage and drive across the Nullarbor. And we decided that we were going to approach everything as an adventure. And I guess that's what I would encourage people to do is to treat it as, a, as an adventure, to try things that you wouldn't try before, to do things that you would never imagine doing. Do it once do it safe so you don't you know, get an injury or anything else, but just make sure that you actually try things and try to push your boundaries because if you do that and you embrace new things, then amazing things can happen and, and that's sort of what's happened for many of us who've gone and worked in rural communities and that's why we've stayed. So thank you very much for all for joining us today and uh, I guess we hope to see many of the people listening out in rural communities in the future. So thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the In Conversation on the Pathway to Rural Fellowship series. This series was produced by the RNZCP Digital Education Services team with funding received from the Specialist Training Program from the Commonwealth.